Yes, my name is Bruno and I am a barb. My name is Gunez and I am a barb. We really, when I walked across Terra Amada from the Iberian Peninsula and you were standing on the other side in Java, I looked at you flat face contour with my flat face contour and I just said, I, 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 and that's, and that's and where I our said, friendship. And I said, we! And that's where our friendship began. It's, it's, it's part of our historic human genetic makeup. Just the barbanism is, it's just part of who we are. And I think, you know, it, it, it may have taken a season and a half, but we've, we've finally addressed a very important part of who we are. I don't, I don't think we've ever talked about on this show, on this podcast, how much we really adore uh, Onika Tanya Mirage. So it's, it, it must be said, it and I am said. saying it. On top of things that haven't been said in like a season and a half, I wanted to welcome our listeners. I feel like, you know, this show is very about us because it, it why here, why now? Because, because it's our voices, yeah. But I just wanted to like welcome everybody listening. We're going to talk about some socialism today. We're going to talk about some also Nicki Minaj, but those two things are obviously related. And if you didn't know that, then please get to the back of the line. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. So definitely not, not that I care. It doesn't matter but it's not her most critically acclaimed opus to date. That's, that is fine. I, it, it doesn't have to be critically acclaimed. I don't care what the critics have to say because- I completely agree, just saying. Who's like their, their reality is not the one I live in. I think this is, what I like most about Beamy Up Scotty is that she has redefined a narrative, storytelling, character creation, a linear timeline. The song called Intro is the fifth song. It's just, oh, this woman continues to expand Conf- upon the horizons of what Confound you can do all expectation. I have to be honest. Absolutely. Um, what was your, what was your standout track? Something I need to address at the very start is that- There's another elephant? Someone needs to explain to me why Nicki Minaj Speaks only has 1,154 listeners. Nicki Minaj Speaks number three, but how many listens does that one have? Because uh, it is the best one. You're right. But like, on a whole, like, seriously, I could be in a room with all of the people who listen to Nicki Minaj Speaks One. Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, you couldn't be in a room right now with them. Obviously. But like, there are theaters that have, like, theaters that I've worked in that have, like, this seating capacity. I could just sit down with all the barbs that listen to Nicki Minaj Speaks, and we could talk about it. And I think that's wild. Why aren't more people listening to this one? And the organization of those 1,000 people in that room, it would have the energy to topple. Capitalism. Oh. Nicki Minaj Speaks 3 has 421,241. Okay, that's like the, the size of a small suburb. True, yeah. It's roughly the size of Etobicoke. Every Etobicokean. Every stream. Etobicokean has heard. The range. I made sure, like I, I did the Blues Brothers. I got on my car. I put the horn on the car. I like, <laughs> I, I, put the, I put the speaker to the microphone. I was blasting the whole album down the streets, mama. Like it's gospel. That's what she's you're supposed to do. She's psychotic, but she's mine. We need the, we need the bad guy. And she said, I am here. I am here to be Wonder Woman and I am not an IDF soldier. Very much so, eh? Like the album art is giving me so many things. It's giving me like Star Trek, 
Um, but it's also giving me like space Wonder Woman minus the Gal Gadot, which I like, I'm 100% here for. The highlights. I really enjoy the title track, Beam Me Up Scotty. Um, I think it has like a fun outro energy. Um, it's a very good title track. She really put her whole into it. It starts so strong, ready? Trapaholics mixtapes. Can I say wonderful choice of having the like cheesy early 2000s hype man intro in this album. It's such it's such a wonderful throwback. It's she's so ahead of her time, right? She's saying it's 90s nostalgia. No, 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 no. I'm taking you all 10 years forward because in 10 years y'all are going to be where I am. And y'all are going to be putting your hype men in your songs. And you're going to remember when I did it in 2021. I'm calling it now, Bruno. Her, oh, she's so into it with time. Again, the way that she has expanded upon the nonlinearity of anything. Something I also appreciated were all of the features mm-hmm. and other people she brought into the albums because she's always been the feature girl who bodies the absolute living shit out of anyone that dared invite her in. So it's nice that she's paying it forward because I love the chorus in in Be Me Up Scotty. I really like that she's doing charity for these artists like Drake (laughs) and Lil Wayne that people don't really know that well. And And she's like much better than, right? Exactly. And And that's the thing that's the best about Be Me Up Scotty because it made me feel the full range of human emotion in absolute adoration from like listening to itty bitty piggy to just like full-fledged kill bill and siren rage the second i heard drake not once but twice so she really said it's like you just because things don't have to always make you feel good to be good they'd have to make you feel something I get higher than Rapunzel. Oh my god, young Rapunzel. When are they gonna collab, honestly? I don't know, but that will be the se- the opening of the seventh seal. Can you imagine, like, the mind that created 212 coming together with, I mean, like, the mind that created Nicki Minaj's entire discography, frankly, right? Like, what would that even what look like? I think, like, some Ark of the Covenant, like, face-melting shit would happen Absolutely, right absolutely. It, like, the, the, the empire would topple. <laughs> Hold on. What, Are you saying it's, it's that easy? It's what it's what it would take. Can um, you imagine both of them holding a microphone up to a megaphone? Can we unite in the struggle to get these two women in the same studio at the same time? I feel like one of them would not walk out of their alive. <laughs> I feel like it would be like what happens when like an unstoppable force it's an immovable, immovable object what you do is you throw grimes in there to be a catalyst and then she's the one who ends up dying and the two walk out alive i feel like they would go into the studio and divide by zero <laughs> we say unite in the struggle because we know everything is a struggle right all life is struggle everybody admits this whether you are a theist an atheist most people know that like life is work the only way to get through that work is to unite. 
all life is struggle, but every struggle is made easier with unity, right? When we unite in a struggle against something, whether that's struggling against your boss to get a higher wage. I wanted to bring forth a topic in uh, more, more frequently in our episodes of a struggle that we can unite towards. And in the spirit of that, maybe like sort of to kick things off, I wanted to do something. I think we need to unite in the struggle to get Mitski to the top, like, of the world, right? Because she's been big and small and big and small, but like, we need to get her big. Because still somehow nobody loves her. And that's unacceptable. Unironically, like Mitski is probably one of the most talented musicians like I've heard in like the decade. Or, like she her- writes everything, composes everything, produces everything. She's one of those people you go on Wikipedia and it has a little disclaimer that's like, unless otherwise stated, everything was done by Mitski. So beyond like the just impressive nature of all of that, right? Like it, it's not just that she did, there are plenty of music artists that do it all, right? Like they, they write, produce, and, and, and they're not famous, but there are, they exist. But we want to big up the ones that are a little bit socialist in their practice. And good. like. And she's the best. Please, comrades, unite in the struggle. Go listen to Mitski if you've never heard her music before. I, I find no. that... I think it's compulsory. I mean, like when the revolution comes, like Mitski will be playing in every cafe and every storefront, every... And if you don't have the time to listen to a full song, at least listen to Geyser. Literally. Is there a struggle you want to you want us to unite against? Or are you happy uniting against the struggle I, I... in the music industry, the, the bias the music industry has against our Mitski? I do have a struggle that I, I just... We've, we've been uniting in it. People have its struggle in uniting in for decades now. Queer sex truly is Marxist because you are uniting in the struggle against coming since you're both on SSRIs. And I just want to acknowledge that as the world starts to open up again, comrades, it it will be a fight to injure, but keep taking your Zolofts if you must. And don't be scared. We're in this together. We will get there. Let's unite in the struggle to extract that nut. While Mitski plays in the background. Thank you. Amen. I do want to talk about something recently that has been weighing heavy on my mind. Like, and, and the topic of uniting against struggle or uniting in struggles against um, has, has really like brought this to the forefront of my memory. I have found myself increasingly hopeless about the global situation, uh, consuming endless podcasts about how things are terrible. The COVID-19 pandemic is protract- like is extending and protracting everything even more. The, the conditions that elderly people, poor people, um, young people, everybody, everybody everywhere, frankly, uh, are enduring, are getting more and more unbearable. But more than anything, I think the big, the, the big epiphany for me has recently been that like, we are the 1% of the world insofar as like, when we talk about, um, I find that when we talk about like geopolitics and or um, sort of like 
the human consciousness and we think about like the masses and what people are thinking and how they act and behave and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The sort of centralized, like we live in the heart of darkness, the empire, right? Like where it's literal next door neighbor. Uh, it, it is a parasite that feeds off of us. And the relationship is partially symbiotic because they're two settler societies, you know, we think we're Katniss in District 12, but we're living in like District 2, if not the capital. The capital. Exactly. And um, the world is good, like either going to end <laughs> or the, like carry on without us in the sense of like in, in and we talked about this, right? Like the the meta like historical narrative of humanity is we're trending towards socialism like the the individual private uh, ownerships and like uh, way of organizing things is very much on the out and out people living here do not see it they're so blind because like for lack of a better or sorry they're so blind because um I, like every opportunity, like every single time we have, we, we use our eyes to look at anything. The state is making sure that we remain blind to the fact that like most of the world is adopting collectivism, right? We are now feeling the effects of a like lost argument in the sense of after following the breakup of the USSR, uh, the capitalist countries realized like now that the USSR is gone, we don't actually have to provide a good alternative to people. So we can claw back all of the protections, all of the welfare, all of the social services that were, that were given, I'm saying in quotes, that were struggled for, right, by people. We can claw all those things back because no one, like the Soviet Union's not doing it. We don't have to compete anymore with a socialist collectivist agenda. So, uh, so the empire is doing exactly what is expected of it. And it's giving up all of those things, much to its detriment. I mean, like, like Marx and Lenin say this all the time, but like capitalism creates the tools for its own destruction. Like, and uh, that's true. And, and we're seeing it more and more. Uh, the more anti-China propaganda the United States tries to produce, the more people are talking about China and socialism and Marxism. It's not a coincidence. And I think the point of this soliloquy that I've been going on is, comrades, we need to get organized. It's time to stop pretending like uh, we can go to one pr protest, we can go to, uh, we can put some signs up, we can do this, we can do that and make it make, make a small difference. I understand that those actions are important and that like the people doing them are, are doing them for um, good reasons. But like every single revolutionary in history has recognized the fact that the revolution cannot come without organization. And right, because often the actions that we can take in the empire, like putting up a sign, going to a protest, those are still individual actions and individuality will not get us there. Thank you. It requires real time and effort put into working on a project together and experiencing a, a, like a Marxist reawakening alongside you. And that sort of just puts into perspective that there's no one correct struggle. There's things that anyone can feel morally indignant towards, and that can come in many facets. 
Absolutely. struggles can look different for anyone, but at the end of the day, the planet is dying. And in your community, there's something that, in every community, there's something that you can do to contribute against that. thousand percent. And and the most important part of that is that like, I think there's this habit among newer socialists that like, we can't make mistakes. And it, while it is true that capitalist hegemony has left us with much little, much less room for error in terms of moving forward, I, I think there is this like socialist tendency to self-flagellate about like things that are ostensibly like successful that have their problems. Like we don't have to beat ourselves with the cat of nine tails on the back, on our back, just because- Unless you're into that. Yeah, of course. Uh, just simply because um, past socialist states have errored, right? If anything, uh, we are fortunate in that we have past experience to draw from. And we can say, we can look at instances and say, this was not the right call, or this should have been done differently. Stalin didn't have the benefit of hindsight because he was building one of the first socialist countries in the world alongside Lenin. So have the benefit of being able to look at those past mistakes, learn from them, figure out what needs to be done different, and, and also apply the unique character of our time and situation, right, towards right. the goal of socialism. Because I think the climate crisis is literally one of the best issues to galvanize socialism around. I don't, I can't really think of anything else beyond this extinction level event to sort of wake, like snap people awake, right? Because Lenin says there are minutes where not, there are minute, there are decades where minutes go by and minutes where decades go by. It's probably not the exact quote, but you get it. Like we and and we have the benefits sort of like experience all of those decades in minutes now, which is not something that socialists like Stalin, when they were building their countries, were able to do. We we have the um overwhelming, like for hindsight is 2020 perspective to see how what we need to do to change things. And I think the self-flagellation comes because we can't do the things or it, mm -hmm. it's it, it it may feel like it's more difficult to because the second you start to question the government's like don't ask why yeah or you get shot yeah i'm very looking i'm very much looking forward to a future where the workers control the government where society distributes goods based on need where where essentially the the government takes care of you the way it's supposed to. You don't take care of it by working working your life away, exactly, and not seeing the fruit of anything that you you provide. Here's a, seeing a fragment of what you provide. Here's one perfect example. I will exemplify the way in which we toil for our government using the national debt. Um, the national debt is often so. What national debt actually is is war debt. Um, we did it, Joe. <laughs> our country will go to war, right? Take out all of these loans to go to war and then say, we can't give you social services because we went to war and we have to pay down this debt. And as soon as you like, it's so bonkers to me because as soon as you ask, who do we owe this money to? The answer is weapons contractors and bankers who live in our country, 
we can take their money back. Like, or for example, they're the ones who can pay the taxes. Like the, the taxpayers are expected to pay down the national debt. What we're literally doing is putting money in the pockets of bankers and weapons manufacturers. It reminds me of, of one of our later, latest conversations where you said that Marx is, there, there isn't any economic system that Marx didn't predict. There is and... nothing that like between Marx, Lenin, Stalin, all of them, like there, Mao, there is nothing these motherfuckers did not predict would happen. Including... Everything they said including the part where our country is essentially ran by war machines yeah which is the status quo but it's not at all what it the purpose of a government is no i mean like our government is a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie like pure and simple why do we pay all of our tax money back into the bankers of pockets because they run the government Like not, maybe not directly, but they fund all of the people who do. And some of them are direct, like some former bankers are in the government, right? So these people have to buy the balls. reform, I guess. Right. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I'm fully convinced the NDP is like not real. It's just a conservative social media intern. I'm fully convinced that like we would end up in a Joe Biden situation in Canada if the NDP were to get elected, where there'd be all these like grand sweeping, beautiful campaign promises, like $15 minimum, not that any of these things are beautiful, but like $15 minimum wage, not enough, right? Like all of those things, like universal health care, which we don't even have in Canada, but people think we do all that stuff but like and then the exact same thing would happen like you'd see how we did it Jagmeet and then like literally I'm not joking bitch like four like four years later we would still be sitting here watching some of our social services get clawed back and then being like well we need to pay down the national debts like fuck you fuck your debts so as as you know ad nauseum but perhaps other comrades do not. I spent most of my life in a cult. And the fun process is that sometimes even when you leave physically, you don't leave mentally. And the last year of my life, the theme has very much been surrounding like the mental exit and coming to grips with the feelings that follow once you realize how a high demand and high control group can like get its claws in you. And what I've come to realize is that anything really can be a cult. Capitalism is not exempt from this. Yeah. And the weird marriage of church and state, even in a country like Canada, where we think we're a little more secular, we're not. Because the only reason we have to, it seems, fight for abortions or just like fight against like the risings of Proud Boys is because people in government believe that there are these made up morals that for some reason have to be upheld through policy. And that's just simply not correct. Like anyone, like I, anyone that willingly chooses to be within a conservative standpoint in the government does not have any right to be in government and their head is not in the right place to be in government. I don't understand, like, thank you. I, what you said make, is so poignant. Like, why do we as a society accept that there are people in government right who have religious who have religious affiliations beyond that like they call themselves conservative their stated goal right is to make sure that the one apparatus that is supposed to provide benefit to people's lives doesn't change 
they're like, we're conservatives, we're gonna conserve the order. And we're just like, as we as a society, we're like totally fine. We're like, yes, these people who want everything that's horrible to stay the same, they have just as much of a right to speak, be heard, exist in this government as the people who want to make change, bring justice, bring equality. What is that? The only constant is change. Yes. And I'm stealing that from you. Thank you. It, it's not stealing. It's um. It's it's part of the collective ownership. But you're good. Like yeah, I didn't okay. invent that. Yeah, I'm uniting in the struggle against making sense. Um, but seriously, like the only constant is change. So I don't understand how. Like I need a conservative to sit down and justify themselves to me because they're not going to be able to do it. Like I'll I'll take it down step by step. It's not hard. Well, we know why they're there because this is a settler. This is a settler colonial country we live in mm -hmm. and religious people love being conservative people who love jesus for some reason are so hell-bent upon making sure they're the only ones that are allowed to exist and that for me is crazy especially when at the heart of the empire there's this like evangelical like new twist it's not a that, coincidence that evangelical that, Christians are huge Zionists. That just permeates all throughout. And it's like, hold on. Like, when do we just pull this, like the plug on this shit? Because like, there's no reason why. I Like when I ask like, why are they there? I don't, I don't mean, I, I'm not looking to have like a legitimate debate. It's just, we've progressed beyond a point where anyone who thinks a certain way adamantly they ought to think they have a place in making policy for a whole country. And especially when you're a country who makes money funding wars against socialism across the world. Absolutely. The national question of Turtle Island is going to be, I think, one of the most interesting developments to come out of future socialism. Like what happens to the nations on this continent? Because I, I am very much of the opinion, right? Countries like the United States, Canada, Israel, I can't really think of any other settler societies right now, there are definitely more, need to be abolished. Like the way that our countries look and exist right now just will not move forward into socialism the same way. Um, the problem is 400 years later, people just can't fathom that that's a possibility. It's just bonkers bananas abolishing Canada. Yeah. But the 400 years we've been here pale in comparison to what the 12,000 years more of humanity where we understood that collectivism was the way we survived, not this fucking industrial individual capital facade we're taking part in. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to building socialism with you. It's going to be really fun. Same, I think it's going to be really CCC. Crazy cuckoo communist. My God, there's room for everyone. Let's just say that. Yeah. And you know what? There is. I watched this documentary a while ago on Netflix called Cuba and the Cameraman, mm. which is was done by this guy who was one of the first people to like go to Cuba in like the 70s and he just wanted to like document what he saw people living like after there. the revolution right and the crisis exactly right 
and he's he got to talk to he got to meet with Fidel and interview Fidel a couple times not like sit down like schedule like he like would go to where he knew he would be and like try to get an in and ask a question here and there and over the years Fidel started to recognize him and stuff so he would like talk more and it's really cool like just to sort of get a glimpse to see how Fidel talks like his demeanor of like so soft-spoken so and so articulate but you could tell that like everything is kind of like a threat I heard I wanted to share this because I recently watched like a uh, sort of mini doc about the Cuban Missile Crisis right and I heard that like Castro's like Fidel's um character really changed after the Cuban Missile Crisis what I really liked about the documentary yeah. is that it, in showing the different perspectives and like different stories of everyday people, it touched on this one family or of uh, sustenance farmers who live in the countryside, and it show it, it demonstrated how, as the as Cuba lost the ability to continue thriving as a socialist state how much that fucked up cooperative farmers. And it, it kind of like really resonated with me because like once Portugal joined the EU, it also fucked up cooperative farming for, for people like my grandparents and my dad who, who's a small business owner. Like in, in, in like through my childhood gaze, I couldn't understand it, but it's like, as I'm having this Marxist awakening it's just so stark to me how capital, there's no way that capitalism benefits any one individual person like you were or any of the comrades listening to this. There's, there's, there's the delusion that you can make it when they sell you individualism in propaganda, but all people need to do is be able to take care of themselves. And we keep seeing how a capitalist state makes it impossible for you to take care of yourself. There's no, there's no, <clears throat> there's no one person that for some reason works a job that ought to make it easier for them to, to take care of themselves. There's no like pecking order of like you want to achieve a certain level of well-being. Every job is essential and everyone deserves to have the same sense of well-being. And you can't give people, you, you can't take people's ability to feed themselves away from them. Yeah. Another thing I realized while watching Cuba and the cameraman, um, Fidel's kind of hot. And when I say kind, I mean very. And like Justin um, Trudeau's dad. He doesn't, Justin Trudeau does not deserve that good of a father. You're right. Um, like, you're right. I regret saying that. What I was compelled to do was I had to figure out how compatible Castro and I would be. So I did his chart. Um, and I was gobsmacked. Go off. We're, I'm just, I'm not going to get too into it, but he was born on the 13th of August, 1926 in Viran, Cuba. And he is a Leo sun, a Scorpio rising, and a Libra moon. <clears throat> now, when I saw Libra moon, I became unhinged because I am a Libra moon. And I am also a Leo rising. So I think I could have turned it off. But so which is what all of this means. So as 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 a Leo, he he it, it just this is a 
as like, and I just feel like his big three are a really, really good recipe for a socialist because as, as with that Leo son, he's not afraid to really be who he is. And you see why he has such a presence. He has that bold air about himself. Mary, when you said Leo son, my brain immediately went to the image of Castro putting down the phone with Nikita Khrushchev after Khrushchev told him, okay, we're taking the missiles back. Castro puts down the phone while his hand is shaking and then trashes his entire office. And that is not an overreaction. What a, but like Leo son, like. And what I think is the best quality of a Leo, they really just want to make you feel better. So they have that thought towards community. I, I honestly, I'm scared of Scorpios. I don't believe in them. I don't trust them. Comrades, if you're a Scorpio, I don't care. But there's, it must be said. As, but, but they, they do have their place within society, obviously. Um, and, and, and for a socialist, it's important to come across, to, 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 to rise up like that Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And swing your tail and sting. Sting. Because Castro is exactly what he did when he, when he trashed that office. Absolutely. In every, in every, at some point in the, in the documentary I was watching, the reporter asks him like, "What well, do you have a message for the American people?" Um, and you can see him putting in that socialist edge towards, "Of course, I care about your people, but you have a government that doesn't care about you." <laughs> so. There's he is like stinging a little, you know, like and it's true. And it's true. Did did he lie? He did not lie. And I think to round off a true, a truly caring socialist, you need that moon in Libra. Libra is the second best sign, Mm. but best one being Aries, because I'm partial. But if you're gonna be any other sign in your moon, be a Libra, because that's where your heart's supposed to be in your emotions. You need to think about people. You need to see the two sides. And what all of this taught me is that he was the true, he he was my true socialist king. And I I, I may end up writing some fan fiction. We should do a tarot reading. This is totally unrelated. We should do a tarot reading for Xi Jinping. (laughs) The Chinese president. We can do that. Let's do a three card spread eventually for Xi Jinping. I want to see what's in his future. We can do that. Let we can do it. I'll do it. I need to practice more anyway. Work. Do you, should we take an intermission? So something you've recently gotten me into, um, which I'm not, I'm not the type of person to do on my own. So I'm I'm glad that you were there to share the experience with me. Um, is I I watched the reality TV program The Circle, Le Cercle. Season two, we may we we must specify. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't really intend to go back and watch season one. You don't uh, have to. Okay. Thank you God. don't need to. Um, I will say this is probably one of the best seasons of reality television I've ever seen in my life. The circle is surprisingly enthralling. The first American season is the worst one. 
My favorite ones up until now were the Brazilian season and the French one. Season two was its own um, epic, yeah, Iliadic proportions. Honestly, um, where to be even? Where to even begin with this season? Oh, I, I know exactly where to begin, babes. Um, I want to address something though for those of you that are nervous. Like, there's a third elephant in the room. The circle has a lot of like subversive elements that I wasn't like that I became aware of when like reading it and watching it closely. Yeah, and let's. I say subversive, I mean, like, I don't know if this is intentional, but it could definitely be read this way. And it, it doesn't, it's not a huge leap of logic to do so, I don't think. But go on. Yeah, just for people who don't know what subversive is, because I don't think most people know what subversive is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Don't, don't include that. Don't include that. I was just going to say, um, like, say more about what you thought was subversive. Um. So for, for folks at home, like the Serre is based on a book, actually, a dystopian novel. Um, and that was turned into a movie. And then they made a reality TV show of it. And I think the reality TV element of it is like the smartest way to adapt this kind of media property. So the idea is, um, for the blissfully unaware, uh, the you are in essentially like an apartment building with a bunch of strangers um, and you have to, you can only interact via your screen, like, uh, um, yeah, the circle, yeah, the circle and you go circle message. And that's how you, you get to talk to your neighbors. Just like any reality show, the screen commands you to do like challenges, um, do, uh, like whether it's arts and crafts, cooking, like all this different kind of stuff that you can do in the comfort of your apartment. It's, there are like kitschy campy elements of it. And there are parts of it that are very like sad and emotional and um good it has one of the best payoffs of reality like the second se the second season of the american version in my opinion has one of the best payoffs in reality tv history um what i enjoy most about the circle is what really i i want to get out of any reality tv show which is how enjoyable is the delusion mm -hmm. Right, because you can catfish, you can pretend, because nobody ever see, meets face-to-face. -face. You only interact by the screen, so you can pretend to be anybody. Exactly. You, you, don't know, you don't need to know exactly who you want or who you want to be, but you can walk and talk like a machine. Um, I, albeit it's better. In fact, I was going to say, the only way to win is to walk and talk like a machine, Miss Courtney. Well, that was Miss, Miss Courtney's downfall, though. You're right. Well, she, but she still made it top four, like five. Yeah, but do you really want to have in your resume, I talk like a listicle to get into the top four? What I hated most about Courtney was not only his delusion, um, but his cadence. Yeah, and, and, and Courtney's messages just read exactly like gay BuzzFeed listed. Um, they just read like gay BuzzFeed tabloids. That being said, I, I do want to mention some highlights. Miss Chloe from Too, Not, Too Hot to Handle. I, listen, I've realized something about myself. I'm kind of shallow. I'm very quick to judge people. And an instinct I want to eliminate because I don't like it. Because I see people like Chloe or Mitchell on the show and I'm like, oh, they're gonna be the most like vapid, annoying, like nonsensical. And, and when I tell you this 22 year old girl from Essex is like one of the most entertaining human beings I've ever seen on TV.
entertaining, emotionally intelligent, articulate, yeah. tall. Um, the same goes for like Mitchell, who I judged for, from the beginning because he just wouldn't put on a shirt. I just got annoyed by that. But then he said something near the end where he was like, I grew up not really wearing them because like, it's just like natural. Like, I don't know what's wrong with like, having your skin out like yeah, I, that just I, means that's he grew up skinny true just my vibe <laughs> your vibe is all skinny the interesting thing about the circle to me is like it is kind of the future that capitalists want like they want everybody to live in these like isolated abodes where they don't talk to each other and the only way they can interact is through this like controlled meat controlled space that occasionally commands them to do something like it very much is like being at work except all the time yeah every day you have your to-do list from the circle slash government uh one of my favorite segments they did was called democracy day which consisted of the players voting, which by the way, on democracy day was the only day they were voting not anonymously, which was very weird to me because in every democracy you vote with a secret ballot. That is true. They really put everyone's choices like splayed out open when they were literally asking them like, who do you like the most? most. Um, but it's very telling, right? Like Democracy Day, it, it, it's so funny. Like, uh, oh, it happens like once a season. Democracy isn't like uh, a forever state of being. It, democracy is something we participate in every once in a while when it comes around. And that's how we're democratic. Like, and that, no, Mary. And that, and that was the most realistic segment, most real thing that happened on the circle. They voted once and it was not democratic. You're absolutely correct. We they they voted well. once and the black women were all in the bottom. That that's that that was reality TV at its most real. We would do really badly on that show. You think? I oh, day one, I would open up the chat and say, who wants to meet at the Denny's down the street after and just split this eight ways? Truly. If I yeah, if I win, like make sure I win and you'll get a cut. I don't like I don't have the time to play games. I would just be like. Who is the catfish? Every 15 minutes, I'm opening a group chat with everybody. I want to know what the <laughs> onboarding process for the circle is. How many albums of photos do they need from you before they're like, okay. More like how many albums of whole pics can I send? Like yeah, what's true. the maximum? What's the minimum face pics? They're like, we need at least four albums and you only send four albums of whole pic. You don't even send your face. Um, Circle season two, very good, worth the payoff. And and it's it's a show like I don't I want I almost said full of smart people, but like that wouldn't be fun. Um, like there are definitely some people who are like sitting in their apartment with one brain cell, and then they put the two the, the two people with one brain cell together, and somehow it, they cancel each other out. The credit to the circle was, writers, like they are clever people. The whoever figured out or like decided how to structure that show in each episode, they did a good job. Yeah, the sociopath in charge of writing that should really get some 
some recognition. A bonus, maybe. So we're, we've been talking about capitalism in crisis, and I think nothing better exemplifies the, that than this photo that you can find in the show notes um, that I'm about to sh- read from. It, it, it's essentially describing the character... <sighs> Uh, essentially like if this isn't already familiar to you as a worker like describing the character of workplaces right now um i think twitter user robin did it best when they posted this image you can see this image now on our instagram and twitter why here why now there's probably an underscore period somewhere in there i can't tell you where but if just type in why here why now you've used a search bar before Exactly. This human resources department, what I can only imagine, right, is a human resources department put together this slide um, after speaking to the clients of the business, the staff of the business and the organization itself and came to, and I guess these were the results of the questions. How do you feel? Clients feel unsafe. Staff feel unsafe. Organization is unsafe. Fancy that, right? Like, (laughs) If the organization is unsafe, then everybody participating feels unsafe. Wild. My favorite one um, is definitely clients confused, staff confused, organization valueless. Um, If I had to tag myself, I think I would be a hopeless client, hyper aroused staff, missionless organization. Um, tweet us what your alignment is on the client staff organization spectrum. We would really love to, to then do a psychoanalysis of your natal chart afterwards if you're down. Bonus points for the punitive thoughties out there. <laughs> and to my stuck babes, give us a call. We'll help you out. All right, ladies. So I think and to close this to close this out, I do think I need to know what your song of the week is. My song of the week is a, uh, I would I would pick Towards Socialism by the DPRK again if I could, but I'm going to go ahead and say It's Motion Sickness by Phoebe Bridgers. Um, only because it's been very present in my life this week, uh, more than probably any other of the songs in my phone. Specifically, um, just, just the first two notes. <laughs> And in celebration of Lady Gaga's Born This Way album, 10 year anniversary today, my song of the week is the best album, the best track on the album, Bloody Mary. Has the girl had her blood? <laughs> that, that's from Handmaid's Tale, right? <laughs> it's probably also from like a lot of things that are set in the olden days. Talk about a powerful intro for a song. I'm gonna take us back, I'm so sorry.
This, this album, like I know people know that it was like, you know, industry defining. But if you can redefine the industry, the industry through sacrilege, that is praxis and that is a fight against conservatism. Truly. Um, <sighs> comrades, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can they find you? Uh, at Queer of Peace, uh, P-I-E-C-E on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm at Ensorcerer, E-N-S-O-R-C-E-R. -E you can also find me dumpster diving for the latest trends. Um, in the meantime, it's like we single-handedly annihilated every other podcast bitch in the building.